Today's topic on our first Modular Housing Association podcast is on factory-built housing financing. Graham Reiner and John Froze are here today to give us some insights on what retailers and consumers need to know about financing of a manufactured home. John has 44 years of experience in the modular housing industry, working his way from the production floor to production management and chief executive officer at Grandeur Housing Limited until retirement in 2018. He is currently executive director of the Modular Housing Association of the Prairie Provinces, MHAPP. Graham has been a mortgage professional since 2006 and has had the privilege of journeying through the real estate market crash of 2007, 2008, and now the craziness of COVID-19 in 2020. Graham is the co-owner of Dominion Lending Center's Mortgage Excellent Brokerage in Lethbridge, Alberta, and is a top 10 office in the DLC network. Enjoy. In talking about financing for, uh, for modular uh, and factory-built housing, uh, Graham, how, how is financing different for a factory-built home in comparison to a traditional stick-built home? Yeah, so the the financing is very similar in terms of is that client getting you know a good rate? Are they getting taken care of? The bank's still going to do their good work. So that doesn't mean that uh, uh, there's any differences that way. So in terms of the actual product and is the client getting the best uh, rate and, and product and services from each bank that's out there, I would say the overall the, the answer is yes. Uh, but that that I guess key difference between a stick built versus uh, a factory built is uh, what you're finding in, in the process. Okay, if this is a brand new build, uh, how many banks are offering a product for that? And so you're gonna have much more options, I guess you could say. So the financing would be different, let's say only because of the amount of options. But when you go to those places, let's say there's uh, 25 banks that I can choose from as a, uh, as a lender, as a mortgage broker then out of those 25, let's say uh, eight of them are gonna allow a, a factory built house. And then the others will have, the, that'll be just your normal stick build. And they would say, yeah, that's, that's great. We would finance that. So your, uh, your main differences is the sheer volume of banks and options that clients have to choose from. But when they find that bank that is able to do a factory built home, then it's all the same. It would be very, very similar from one house to the next, and there wouldn't be that huge difference there. But uh, it's mainly that option piece of, of who you have to choose from that is the biggest separator. Does that kind of answer your question, John? Uh, yes, it does. Um, um, one, one quick addition to it is uh, clip mortgages. Can you expand on, clip, on a clip mortgage for us a little bit? Yeah, so the clip mortgage, let's say if it's uh, on lease land, so the, the person is not owning the land, uh, there's a lease in place of some kind, uh, then uh, that's where uh, you'll find the banks and the insurers will have a clip mortgage. So they're having a registration in place on, on a title that's not necessarily owned by the individual. Uh, so let's say this would be in a park or if this would be in um, some circumstance where there is not the title that comes with the property. So then you're, uh, we'll call it a funnel. So if you have all houses up here and then you have, you take out stick built and leave it with factory built. So now we're down to here. And then we'd have the ones that are options for clip. Now we're down to here. And most of those, if not all of them have to be insured, uh, that client can do 50% as a down payment. So half of the 
the purchase price is coming in from, uh, let's say savings or something like that, that client would still need to have that CMHC premium added on there. So that would, it would just rule out all that, the options of, hey, I wanna have uh, a mortgage without that insurance. They wouldn't have that as an option. They need to have that default mortgage insurance on there. So CMHC's uh, CLIP program would be the most popular with that. Uh, so that would be, yeah, then your, your swath is now down to here rather than uh, all the different options that are out there. Right. Thank you. Um, yeah. So next question, um, I think you've sort of addressed this in a way already, is getting a loan for a factory built home harder than for a traditional stick built home? And, and why is that? Are they, are they built with a different process or? Yeah, so... Uh, similar to that first question, the only difference there, or I guess I'll elaborate on, is getting a loan is, uh, they're still going to be looking at the four things. So the four things that banks want to know is what is the income, what is the down payment, what is the credit, and what's the product, uh, that, like the house. And so they're going to be looking at the credit, income, down payment, all the same as anyone else. So they still have to hit those same criteria that any other client would have. So John, that doesn't change whatsoever. That's going to be the exact same, but that product part of it is where, uh, is it the same process uh, in terms of a pre-approval? Yes. Uh, and then later on, uh, there's going to be different rules that will fall in place uh, of what banks that we have to choose from. Uh, and then depending on if it's brand new, do we need to have different draws coming in? Do, does the client own the land or not? Like we just talked about uh, with the clip mortgage. And, and then that will then differentiate, okay, what bank is able to take this on? What each, which one isn't? And, uh, and then when we narrow it down, they will then each have their own questions about that, uh, about that uh, specific home. Um, you know, for example, they would ask, what is the age? That'd be the most common. Uh, what is the square footage? Is it single wide? Is it double wide? If it's a modular, uh, is it coming in two different pieces? All of those questions would then come in. Some ask, some don't. So it really does depend on that place that we're going to. But those aren't questions that you'd you'd have if it's an existing home um, that uh, that someone's just buying on the market. The bank's not going to say, you know, does it come with its own land? It would, you know, ninety nine percent of the time, unless you're buying in let's say Banff uh, or some national park, then you'd have uh, some of those questions pop up. But most of the time, uh, those would be very specific to um, buying a factory built house. Okay, um, good. So um, if, as a customer, before going to a show home center to purchase a home, uh, do you recommend that people go to the bank first or do they need to know some specific information before they go? Uh, yeah, so good question. Uh, they should come to a broker first. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, yeah, they should always go to a bank or broker first. Absolutely. That's, uh, that would be the first step for sure. So that way, when they're walking into uh, wherever they're going, let's say that home center to be able to buy a house, they then have a price in mind, they have some of the rules in place. One of the uh, restrictions that we would often find or we run into is that uh, the credits sometimes have to be a little bit cleaner. Uh, and what I mean by that is your, there's exceptions to the rule for almost anything. So banking is very much inside of a box. Here's what we need to see for us to be able to make the financing work. There's always ways to be able to bend the rules of saying, hey, this, you know, for example, the credit score needs to be 650. Well, there's always a way to be able to get an exception. If the income is really strong, we can bend that rule to say, hey, bank, are you willing to take on this client? They have a 630 credit score. Uh, 
and there's way more options for that uh, and uh, in a traditional built house. So if we're doing a uh, walk into a home center and the client has a lower credit score or weaker net worth or something like that, to be able to have that pre-approval done upfront, then that client knows, okay, I'm pre-approved for this amount of money. And I know my credit is a little bit weaker. So instead of five banks or 10 banks uh, that are able to do my factory built house, I need to work with these three. And those three need me to do this. So instead of a, a home center spending all that time showing houses and being able to negotiate price and here's when we can deliver this exact model and, and all that, uh, for that client to know, okay, I, this bank needs this, this, and this done before I really start shopping around, that saves everyone time. So clients are less stressed out or uh, emotionally involved. Uh, the home center that is selling these uh, would then also be able to know that this client walking in is way more prepared uh, than just uh, you know looking around and emotionally getting a feel for it. So I always recommend getting a pre-approval first, even if it's a year in advance. It's so nice for, let's say, if you're selling a product, John, then uh, having that client come in prematurely and spending all that time for something that's not quite ready yet. So I love it when clients do that homework first. Thank you, Graham. And uh, as, as such, um, as a customer, again, what should I first know about the cost of the home and what is included in the pricing prior to going to the bank? Like, does the, does the bank, for instance, include foundation, delivery and setup and those kind of things? Yeah, once again, very specific to the lender. Uh, so if you're going to look at uh, all the options that are out there, so we'll talk about banks, uh, there's mortgage lenders, and there's credit unions. So if we're going to have uh, all of those options laid out, and let's say we put them on a spreadsheet, and we said, okay, who's able to do this? Uh, and we need to have foundation included, delivery, and setup. Most of those across, uh, or at least Western Canada, would be done through... Uh, a credit union. Credit unions, they are the, the most relaxed about this. Uh, they have the easiest going policies in terms of, okay, this client's getting a quote over here for the home. And then they have this basement through a different company. And then they still need to do, let's say, site services for this land that they bought. Maybe it's not serviced quite yet. Uh, let's say it's an acreage or, or something like that, or a farm just got subdivided. These are very common uh, that we're financing all the time. So we would then lend or, or we would try to lend at a, a credit union typically so they can get draws at different stages. And those costs, uh, they would be very similar to any other build is that you're going to have money released in stages. And so the client would have expenses along the way to inspect it as they progress. So an appraiser comes out, they inspect it, uh, and they would then know, okay, this is, uh, this is the foundation stage. This is then when the house gets moved on, here's the services and hookups cost. Uh, so if there is ever a time, like ideally as a lender or as a bank, uh, they would always like to have that as one quote, but that is, uh, it is uh, rare for a purchase, like a sales center to be able to provide all of those pieces. But if it can, it is so nice to have that in one contract, to be able to have all those connection points into one purchase price. Uh, so one building contract, when that happens, that's great. But if it's not possible, that's where the credit unions really step up to the plate. Uh, there's what's called mortgage lenders. Uh, so these would be places that are only available through mortgage brokers. That is not their specialty. Uh, they would be very good at financing afterwards. Let's say once the home is all set up, it's delivered, it's you know one, two, three years old, whatever and beyond, then they can step in and do a good job. 
Uh, and then the banks are kind of, we'll call them haphazard. Uh, is the, the banks will sometimes do a great job and other times they will say, no, not, not for us. There's too many moving parts. Uh, we want to have the services in the home. We just want to, we'll deal with it once the, the home is ready for delivery. So once it's delivered, we will give money to the lawyer and then everyone gets paid. That's, that's where the banks like to step in typically. Uh, so um, those would be kind of the three options. Is that, uh, is that kind of answer your question? Uh, yes, it does. So uh, just to recap a little bit, it, it sounds to me like if you, if you uh, for the customer, it's easier if he can find a show home center that will give him a turnkey type of a price. Um, the, the, they take care of all of the little bits and pieces and it comes out to one price that the bank can then deal with. Credit unions seem to be a little bit easier on that's right. That you understand it perfectly. Yeah, when we have those turnkey situations where it's one contract that includes it all, uh, and even if there's a premium to the price, the clients are thankful, uh, the lenders are thankful, and then it actually opens up the door to everyone. Because if it is a turnkey, let's say there's a deposit of you know 10%, 20% down, and then the remainder gets paid out at completion, so it's the full package all delivered at one time. Now we have credit unions, banks, and mortgage lenders that are all able to do that because it's completed. Uh, they're walking into a completed uh, site and then delivering money at that time. So that's where, and of course, who wouldn't want to lend at that moment because the security is nice and safe. Uh, it's all set up. There's no, um, there's no stages of risk involved, uh, but that's where the credit unions, they, they have a sweet spot there. Okay, so uh, Graham, now on um, the uh, in the modular housing and factory built housing industry, there's we're we're constantly being referred to numbers like uh, the Z two forty one, Z two forty, A two seven seven, and of course the NBC, which is the National Building Code. Um, do homeowners typically understand these numbers, or what can we tell them about about what those num numbers represent? Yeah, great question. So my answer is really simple is that they don't understand and uh, most banks, either they don't care or they don't understand either. So they're fine with it. On the lending side, that has never come back in all my years of lending, that's, uh, that's been an issue. So regardless of those, uh, of those codings, I wouldn't make a difference on our side. Uh, where they really focus on is, uh, is there, what's, what's the age of the house? What's this, is the serial number able to be provided? They wanted to see that there is that registration as an approved uh, modular or factory built house. That's what they're looking for rather than a specific one. Um, we haven't ran into that as an issue before. Okay, it's been, it's been my experience over the years that uh, for instance, the Z241 is, is simply a seasonal building and so that's really not something that somebody who's looking for a home should be looking for. Um, and then uh, when, when the Z240 comes along, uh, Z240, um, I think in Alberta, it's no longer accepted uh, since okay. 1992. They have not accepted the Z240. But since we're talking about the Prairie Provinces here today in, in Saskatchewan and Manitoba, yeah. the Z240 is still acceptable. And uh, there's very little difference. Uh, it's still built to mostly to the National Building Code but they do allow a few trade-offs and other things to allow these homes to be built um, in such a way that they travel better on the roads, mostly for travel heights. So there's some trade-offs. Oh, there. interesting. Okay, I didn't right. know that. And uh, and then the A two seven seven, 
is is really not a um, it, it's not a code. It's more a quality control program. And so a factory that is uh, that is certified to the A277 program is it's basically what it says is everything that comes out of this factory will be built to the code that they specify on there. So if they say this home is built to the Z240, then that's what it is built to. Or if they say that it's built to the national building code, that's or the uh, provincial codes that are in in enforced uh, in, uh, at uh, at the moment, they are fine with that as well. Then it's the national building code. So there there is a difference. The A277 is a bit of a different one than the other two. So that's that's what the the industry refers to when you're when you're talking about those numbers. Oh, interesting. Okay. okay. Yeah, I haven't ran into that as an issue before. Uh, I would have a feeling that maybe some of those, let's say those seasonal ones, square footage might be a factor uh, and and that we would see that. So the smaller the, the house, whether it's a condo, whether it's a stick build, whether whatever, uh, our, our restrictions are there as well for us as a lender is that we're then finding, okay, there's less options. So, um, but yeah, that's, uh, that makes sense. And, and I wonder if more of uh, the provinces have more of a say in there um, because on the lender side, I haven't, uh, I haven't ran into any pushback, which is good for you guys. Uh, that's really good. Okay. So um, that pretty well answered the, the next question I had for you. And that is, does this, does the type of home affect the financing? And I think that has already been answered. So. Right. Yeah. So now next thing comes uh, location. So does the bank look at the type of property the home is on? Yeah, uh, for sure. What they're going to look at is marketability. And this will we'll go into some of these uh, questions here in a little bit as well that will talk about this. But uh, marketability is going to play a big factor in uh, where the bank is willing to go to. Do they need to have CMHC insurance or Genworth or I guess now called Sajin uh, or Canada Guarantee? So the three mortgage insurers in Canada, whether they need that on there and uh, regardless of down payment, that's going to be affected by location, age, things like that. Uh, but if it's if it's really rural or remote, then uh, they could say no just because of that alone. Um, they're going to be looking at, uh, and that could be a stick built house as well. So absolutely the location and the type of property, uh, if it is the only residential house in a, a whole area of farms and it's the only one, that's going to be a red flag for the bank because they're looking, banks are funny this way. They're always looking as worst case scenario. And so we, uh, as brokers, we try to remain as optimistic as we can. So that way it's not uh, two negative answers coming in at uh, one client. So we try to be the optimist in all of it, but uh, the, the reality is the banks think worst case scenario. If we need to take back the home, if we need to foreclose, now what? How likely is it, are we able to get our money back out of this? We don't want to acquire property as a lender, as a bank. We want to, uh, we want to just lend our money out, get interest and, and make our money that way. So the banks are always considering how do we get our money back out? So if it's really remote or if it's the only house and amongst a whole bunch of farms or small towns, sometimes that can increase uh, the risk on a house uh, and banks, some banks will say no due to that. Okay, so and uh, flipping that to the house side of it, is financing easier on certain types of homes? Yeah, so what do you mean by that part of it uh, on certain types? Well, I guess going back to uh, like a Z240, for instance, which you just learned about, 
uh, or an or a national building code home, um, you know, whether they are uh, they're, they're different titles, maybe say manufactured versus modular. Yeah. Okay. So if we're going down that uh, that that kind of difference of properties, then yes. Uh, so it would make a difference. Uh, I think a, a good example would be uh, a file that I'm working on right now. It's a single wide house inside of a, a smaller center. So it, it's um, you know a town of let's say 12,000 people and it's in the town, but it's a single wide uh, manufactured home. That house uh, is difficult to finance, not with everyone, but in terms of when we talked about that funnel of who's left at the very end, uh, when we are talking about single wide, that is more difficult to finance than a double wide, only because of square footage, the marketability uh, comes into play is there's more people looking for, you know, 1500 square foot, one story house uh, that's manufactured rather than let's say 900 or 1000. So they're talking about marketability. Do we have more buyers when we have a double wide rather than single? And yes, uh, so that would affect that part of it. Uh, or if it's anything unique. Um, and I, I like the, the, the movement in manufactured housing uh, towards having a creative style of house uh, where it looks a little bit different. It's not what we've traditionally seen over the last, let's say 40, 50 years. We're now seeing uh, different styles and different materials being built, different exterior materials. So that's now acquiring a different type of buyer. And, and that, that differentiation is, uh, is uh, not normal. And so we're having some places that are now groundbreaking. So it's difficult right now. And then that will then allow uh, more consumers to come in. As it gets popularized, it gets easier to sell. And therefore the financing starts to get easier as well on all, type, all types of different properties. So uh, I would say the more common <laughs> or uh, the more that it looks like the next neighbor, the easier it is for financing. And they'll look at photos, you know, if it's a house listed through a realtor or if it's a brand new one, they're gonna be looking at that and saying, hey, this, is, this isn't normal to this area. And we have some concerns about that. Um, once again, thanks, thinking worst case scenario. Okay, thank you. So the, uh, the approval process now for, for a factory built home, um, what, is there a particular uh, process that, goes, that it goes through? Yeah, it would be pretty similar to anywhere else you would. Uh, the only thing that's different is land. And I'll talk about that in a second. But normally, uh, you'd get your pre-approval, the client gathers paperwork. So everywhere uh, that you go would be the same that way, whether it's stick built or factory built, nothing changes that way. We get a pre-approval, we check credit, we gather documents, and then they go and start house hunting. Now, this typically would mean that they're going to different factory centers to be able to go shopping for the right make, model, uh, and design and look that they're hoping for. So that part of it is all very similar. It would be no different than meeting with builders in, in, in any other town or city. So that part of it would be the same. The difference would be with land is they need to have land moved on there. It, uh, to have a sales center of any kind selling land with their property is very rare. I, I don't know if I've ever seen it actually. Most clients need to buy their land first. So that would be your key difference is that either they're buying a lot in an area that is, uh, that is ready to go, uh, let's say in a town or a city, or if it's an acreage of some kind, uh, then they would need to be buying that first. They need to be owner, whether there's a mortgage on it or not, they need to own that piece of uh, that dirt first 
before they can uh, go and get financing. And, and so often we're doing two stages uh, because uh, a lot of, let's say, uh, home builders will provide land and home, whether it's a spec build, uh, that is very common, but in factory built, it's not common. So they would then need to go buy it. They do their 25% down or more. They acquire the land loan uh, to, to buy that, that dirt to be able to move the house on. And then they go house hunting uh, shortly after that, but they're pre-approved for all of it. So that would be kind of that key difference uh, in the terms of processes. They're kind of a two-stage financing there. Thank you, Graham. So um, then you, you talked about marketability a bit um, a couple of times. Um, what does the amortization look like on a factory built home? Yeah, so uh, this changes from place to place, credit union to credit union, uh, and banks are really, really, uh, they start to change their mind on things when, uh, let's say there's been no updates or renovations, they start to pull back a little bit and say, hey, you know what, I'm sure it's in great shape, but it's over 15 years old. That's that's a number that's come up for the last decade for us as a, as a company that we often get that feedback from banks, hey, this uh, this manufactured house is more than 15 years old. That would be more on the, the manufactured side where we see your, your standard uh, single wide and double wide. When we're talking about, uh, you know, banks will use the term modular. So modular to the banks is uh, a home that it, it would be factory built, but you actually can't tell when it's delivered. You'd have no clue. It's maybe a two story house or and often they're moved in two different pieces. And, uh, and so when it's that two piece or one, one larger home that's moved on site, uh, that is not your standard um, uh, single wide or double wide, that is when uh, we, we sometimes don't see uh, any differentiation there with amortization. The banks actually would, would say, oh no, it's a, it's a modular, it's a two piece modular, that's fine. Uh, it makes no difference to us. But if we're talking about uh, let's say a 1985 uh, manufactured house, whether it's single or double wide, they would, uh, some, some banks will just say, no, it's too old for us. Even with CMHC insurance on there, they could have five, 10, 20, 30% down. They would still want insurance. And sometimes they don't even want the CMHC on insurance on there. They wouldn't matter. They would say, you know, we're going to stand aside. So that's where those credit unions would come in. And renovations do help though. So having a house updated, uh, definitely helps what's called economic remaining life. So the, this is where appraisers, uh, they can be our, our friends and our enemies. Uh, and, uh, and so, and I love appraisers, we work with them every day, but I will say this is that the appraisers get to determine on an existing home. So now we're talking about an existing modular, like a factory built house of any kind, they put on there an economic remaining life. And if I was to look at all the houses that have gone through our, our office last year, we look at every single appraisal that's gone through, John, what's crazy is the economic remaining life is, is night and day different. So we'll have a house that's built in uh, 1960 or 19, let's say 1980, just for an easier uh, example. So 1980 stick built house, economic remaining life could be 30 years old still, or 30 years. So they're saying that the value of this home still has 30 years as is, for it to have and hold value. And then we would have uh, the a manufactured fact, uh, factory built house. And same thing, they're saying that it's, uh, they've built in 1980, that economic remaining life could be 15, 10, 25. 
and, and both of them need renovations. Let's say both need updates. And so that part of it is frustrating on our side and also our clients because most banks will have that as their ceiling. So their amortization on their mortgage, so the life of their mortgage, that is based off of the economic remaining life on that appraisal. So the, the appraisal, let's say it says 25 years left or 20 or whatever the number is, banks will either stop there or they will take it down by five years. So if it says 25 years, I'm stuck with having to debt service afford my client at a 20 year mortgage payment rather than 25 only because of that difference. So that's a frustration on our side is that we see this, we see two 1980 properties that both need work and the economic remaining life is not a fair comparison. So uh, I don't know where, how that plays into uh, the appraisers. Uh, they have some kind of guidebook they'd be following on that. Uh, but that would be a change that I think we would all like to see. Mm -hmm. So is there anything else that um, I would need to know if I wanted to sell my factory built home? Are there any other areas that uh, are similar to this? I think the key thing, uh, we see this every once in a while, uh, is as, as you live in the house, you've done upgrades, let's say you've changed the kitchen. We've seen it over the years where someone does an overhaul and they go to sell and they run into one problem is they've removed that CSA label uh, where it has a serial number, a CSA number, has all those, uh, like the make and model of manufacturing, all of that let's say is on the inside of a cabinet somewhere in the house uh, and that's been removed through renovations, that is when you have a, a, a selling problem. But if you don't do that, it actually goes really well. If the house is in great shape, uh, every you know, bank that's, uh, that's looking to be able to approve a manufactured uh, factory built house, no problems. It'll go very, very normal. As long as we have those in there and we can show that to the bank, we'll have, uh, like, we should have no, no issues. So be, be careful when you're renovating. Yeah, exactly. Please keep it. <laughs> I don't care how you keep it. <laughs> you can take that cabinet off. No worries, but have that in a vault somewhere. <laughs> okay. So now factory built housing over the years has been proven to be very environmentally friendly. For instance, the University of Manitoba of, of, of Alberta uh, did a study in 2009 that showed that the carbon footprint for a modular built uh, home was like 43% lower than that of a site-built home due, oh, to, due to many factors. So it's a, it's a very interesting study and still online, it's still available online. Um, now in the future, do you feel that uh, this will be a positive consideration for getting financing for modular housing and factory-built housing? Yeah, absolutely. I think it definitely pay, plays a factor. I think it needs to play a factor. Uh, I think even just practically, it makes sense. Like right now we have minus, 25, 26 outside, and, and all of those builders are, or most of them are not working today. There's, there's not a lot of work happening when it's that cold and you're working outside trying to frame a house. So the, the factory bill completely makes sense, especially for a four season country like ours. Uh, so I, I think that part of it, and then you talking about energy efficiency, absolutely. And I think that comes with two different things. Uh, we need to have that type of promotion taking place uh, by the insurers. So CMHC, Genworth, and uh, Canada Guarantee. So if those three can get on board by saying, hey, we are, we're noticing this, and we want to encourage Canadians to buy this, here's a, and I don't know what that means, uh, but it could be an incentive, like reducing premiums. So we need to do something that, that lets the banks know, so lenders, 
that the insurers want these types of properties on their books. Because if the insurers want them, then the banks are going to say, hey, you know what, this is great. The bank, the, the, the insurers are really pushing for this. They're going to then approve them that much easier. And then part two of that is market demand. Uh, and that would just come through your individual companies that are a part of your association is advertising that and letting consumers know that is something that's unique and special and important. And, and then consumers speak so much way more loudly than lenders themselves. So uh, what I mean is if there's a demand for that, the banks will want to meet that demand. And so if there's more of those inquiries coming in for factory built houses of whatever kind, then the banks are going to accommodate that because they can see that, hey, demand is increasing over here. Banks want to make money. They, they, they absolutely do. And if there's demand going up, which is that marketability piece, they will meet that demand. Uh, but I feel like uh, there needs to be, so it has to come up from the ground up from the consumer. Plus we would want to have those insurers uh, come from the top as well. So that way the, the banks, credit unions and lenders in the middle, they know that both sides are wanting these properties and they do a good job of creating incentives and, uh, and financing options out there for them. So, and I think that's John, when everything will, uh, you, you know, these, these banks that sometimes will do them or sometimes not, then those policies start to fade away because the, uh, the expectation and the demand on these houses have only increased. And what a, what a unique time for that right now with, uh, with COVID-19 and pushing right. people into smaller communities, I think we're starting to see that happen. So that's moving along. So as, um, you know, as, as we talk more about financing again, um, associations like we are, we are the modular housing association for the Prairie provinces. And as such, we, we're always look, looking to help our customers with financing their homes. Uh, do you know of any banks who are open to working with associations like ours in order to maybe make the process a little easier? Mm -hmm. uh, so I'll answer generically saying yes. I think that would be something that banks uh, would 100% be open to. I'll let them answer that. I can't speak on their behalf, but that would make sense. Why wouldn't they want to do that? Why wouldn't they want to have uh, different housing options uh, available to clients and being able to work with your association to make that financing piece so much easier. You know, us on the broker side, we would love that type of partnership to take place because we see so much of manufactured and uh, factory built houses in our area and, and throughout uh, the Prairie provinces. Uh, that is, it's, it's a very popular uh, form of housing. And so why not having uh, that association work with the banks? I think that makes sense. Would well, they be crazy not to? Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and then it's just a better experience for those clients. So uh, I can't answer on their behalf, but uh, I would sure hope that they would. That would make sense to me. But I haven't heard that hasn't been something that's been talked about uh, through our channel. But um, I can see that uh, being a, a, a really valuable piece. Okay. Well, we are, we're just currently starting to work with, uh, with one of the credit unions actually in your area. Okay. Um, once, we have, once we have more information, we can probably get you that. But uh, oh, that's okay. a great thing. So one final, question, one final question for you, Graham. Um, we talked a bit about energy efficiency and things like that. Uh, net zero is, uh, is something that is coming up and I'm sure you've heard of it, um, net zero homes. Yep. Do you have uh, some sort of an idea as to what that, 
that level of energy efficiency is going to do to the financing end of it. Modular housing is very well suited to that process because factory built um, can be built very tight. And like you said before, in a controlled environment. So we have some advantages there. And so we're, we're thinking, um, will that make a difference for the financing as well? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that, uh, you know, going back to the same word I keep falling back on is marketability is that we're now having something that is unique, but in a positive way. It, it's now something that every consumer who wouldn't want to have a net zero house, uh, that would completely make sense. And, and for their for the banks to be able to be excited for that, they would for sure would be. So we've done net zero builds. Uh, we've done like a stick build net zero house. We've done a couple of those, which are pretty rare at this point. Uh, but we've done those. Banks had no problems at all. They're, of course, excited about it. Uh, and, uh, and those went really smoothly. So I think in terms of would it make it any easier? Uh, maybe. I, I think that once again, if we have, if we look at, let's say, uh, Sajin and CG, they would have, um, uh, they would have incentives for energy built houses in the past where it'll then discount the premium. So you pay, let's say a percentage based off of your down payment, those sort of things, then it, it just expresses a feeling, right? It's, it's saying to the banks, we like this. We like that Canadians are pursuing this or, uh, manufacturers are providing this. And the more options that there are, uh, it, it just means that it's more normal, it's more marketable. Uh, it is, it's not, it's actually maybe a selling feature. It's one of the things that a manufactured house now is known for. Those are things going to make it uh, so much better for, for the financing. Now, I don't think that uh, it will make or break a fine, like someone buying a home. I don't think that they get approved because it's net zero. So I don't think that would be a key piece, but for banks to open up the doors, let's say they're not currently lending uh, on a factory built house, I would see that as a movement towards now they will because this is something that uh, is very unique and is, is making that home even more marketable because it's selling for approximately market value wherever that is in that community, but it's now uh, special and unique and everyone's going to want to have that net zero piece who wouldn't want to have less utilities. So uh, I think that would be a really cool thing, John. I, I like that idea. Great. Well, thank you, Graham, for, uh, for your input. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll close it off here. You, you've provided us with a lot of very useful information, and we're glad that we uh, could make this connection. Thank you again. Yeah, thanks a lot, John. Thanks for having me today. This is great.